Hello and welcome back to the show, the podcast where we talk about TV shows with our friends. Steve and I, we are back today to start a new show. This is a fun jump and a really exciting show to talk about because this is a show that I had wanted to watch. I sort of started in that I like literally started the first few seconds and something happened. I don't know what, but I had like meant to watch and never watched actually. And so as I watched this pilot of Atlanta, I realized uh, I was glad I waited so that Steve and I have a chance to talk about the pilot of Atlanta. So Steve, over to you. Thank you, Eli. And you were meant to watch this and talk about it on Shows with Friends. And I'm glad that you are. And what's really cool, we just covered a couple comedies in our previous installments, and now we're coming to just a totally different kind of comedy. And it was something really new at the time from mind, from the mind of creator Donald Glover. It was his first foray into creating a TV show. So a really cool one to bring here. For me, it was something really fresh an interesting, irreverent brand of comedy on TV that I hadn't really seen before, but I'm most interested, Eli, in your first impressions of this pilot of Atlanta on FX. What did you think? Yes, Steve, I really enjoyed the pilot. We talked a bit about a few other shows, how they use devices, right? Like I remember, um, I May Destroy You, we talked a bit about some of the different devices they used. Um, and this has a bunch of cool things going on, and it starts off, right, with a f- sort of flash forward. Right, it starts at the end and then right? works its way back. And I love that. I don't know if there's a name for, like, that device in television and film, but especially television, right? Like, that... You know, several of the shows we've watched here have done that in an episode, right? Like, I can't think of the specific... I think Dark Matter actually did that once. But anyhow, it's a great device, and it's used really well here, and it's used without any explanation either, right? And that's kind of everything that, um, you know, where this comedy, as you said, but also in a way almost uh, a magical realist <laughs> version of uh, events in this person's life, right? There's moments where you're not sure exactly what's happening in the reality and action. And that, even that is so seamless and without like uh, breaking the storytelling and action and without any sort of alert or warning or, you know, anything to call it out. So uh, right from the jump, I found the storytelling really interesting. And also having been to Atlanta once or twice and driven through many times and having watched other movies, shows, documentaries set there, um, having friends who grew up there, always had a slight fascination with that just huge, sprawling, really interesting, intricate, important American metropolis and what goes on there. And so this was uh, really fun to be, as you 
you know, have said before with this and other shows, dropped into a world, right, that uh, we're now in uh, this character's world, um, Donald Glover, the main character, Earn. So I really enjoyed uh, being dropped into this world and getting a chance to have the time to fully sit down, watch this pilot. And one of the things I uh, really liked, Steve, especially as we're dropped into the world, is that we don't know exactly what's going on, even as we are very vividly brought into his world. We're just not really sure who he is and what's going on. It's all very fluid in this pilot, and mm. every sort of interaction and moment reveals more. It's sort of an ever-expanding world because we just don't really know who this character is. Yeah, you, you stay intrigued the whole time, and I, I do think you're right, the device of the beginning with this ending moment that's such a sort of action or point of conflict, right? And yeah. then then going back, certainly, it certainly lends itself to a lot of these scenes when he goes to see the cousin for the first time, mm-hmm. that it just makes it much more powerful and drawn out and, and richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it adds, yeah, an air of um, intrigue, as you said, and also mystery a little bit as to what exactly is going on, where are we in this timeline. And as we learn more, right, so it's a pretty brief but intense first scene, which is a flash forward, and then we go back, right? And sort of every moment we move forward in the actual timeline of the most of the episode, (laughs) the more we learn about Earn... Oh, that rhymed. The more we learn about Earn, uh, the less we know that he's sort of doing uh, well and living his best life, right? Like, the more we learn about him, the more we learn that he's uh, struggling in his life to a, a, a large degree, it seems. And he's faced with uh, a lot of impending, potentially, you know... Uh, not ideal life situations, his housing, his situation with ostensibly his baby mama, I think, safe to say, who uh, he wakes up next to, but she's going on a date that night (laughs) while he babysits. So he is in a precarious uh, situation, both personally and professionally, the more we see, and that leads him to going to his cousin, right? Yeah. They, they do a good job. Manage of, him. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job of describing how sort of at the end of his rope or whatever rope he's on, he's at the end of it, right? The parents won't let him in the house anymore. Yep. Because it costs too much money. Yep. Um, I love that actor who's his dad, Isaiah Whitlock. He's so awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. He's worked so much. Uh, and that scene is amazing because. His own parents don't trust him. They know he's coming for money or trying to get money through whatever he's doing, right? And it's revealed through his parents and those characters, the whole, like, what happened at Princeton, right? When his uh, cousin then comes around asking his dad, sort of, should I let him manage me in a roundabout way? Like, what happened at Princeton? And his dad's like, oh, I 
think he would tell you before me, right? And so it's just really fascinating. There's very little um, in, you know, actual time spent with his parents or in those moments, right? They're very uh -huh. brief interactions. They're incredibly revealing in this dynamic yeah. of, you know, his parents, his cousin. The backstory drops, the backstory drops are super powerful when the, when the cousin says to him, like, oh, I haven't seen you since my mom's funeral. You know, like, it's just, yeah. they, get, they get these, like, history drops, and they're, they're powerful, and powerful. it all adds up. It adds up to where he is now, right, which is just kind of walking around aimlessly trying yeah. to find his way, sort of. Yeah. Um, I love that you said magical realism. Because I was trying to, I was trying to put some kind of term over what I feel is Donald Glover's unique sense of humor, that this imaginative sense of humor mm -hmm. that comes out in this style, or what is coming out in this pilot. And for, I, for me, I love non sequitur humor. I love humor that you start somewhere that is grounded, and then you go to another planet. And for me he really succeeded in that in, in Atlanta. And it's so much different than the humor that we've seen in the past two shows we've done, right? The Goldbergs and then Atypical is a little different, but oftentimes Atypical would be going for the jokes with mm. some of the characters and in the dialogue. And I feel like with Atlanta, it is, <laughs> it's just like a different subtlety to the scenes and how each character is uniquely funny within the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The airport. I mean, what what scenes stuck out to you that you that that you maybe found funny or or a different kind of funny than you'd seen necessarily? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of both, you know, comedic and uh, impactful, as you're saying. You know, that moment with his cousin, several moments of reveals and sort of history um, revealed and dropped. Yeah. Um, and so the humor uh, comes sometimes more expectedly, sometimes less expectedly. The moments that stuck out, uh, he doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't have to be humor. Like what? What moments sure, or yeah, scenes yeah. stuck out to you? No, absolutely. I think you know what immediately comes to mind, and then there's some specific moments too, but. In, you know, as you were saying, this sort of unique and imaginative way of storytelling, also a sort of unique way of, as we're saying, framing and then embodying a main character who's at the end of his rope. And we've in the past used terms like anti-hero, and I certainly wouldn't call him that on this pilot alone. We just really don't know that much about this character. He still seems uh, completely likable, even as sort of, you know, <laughs> mistrusted and down on as lucky as he still, there's nothing about him that's sort of unlikable uh, or anti-hero. And to think of, you know, Donald Glover creating this show and character, right? And then embodying it is fascinating to um, start here with such a interesting look and interesting drop into a world, right? Um, so there are a lot of moments throughout where 
<laughs> it's like he's sort of the butt of the joke constantly, right? And that pervasiveness and the different ways that plays out become funny, but also really poignant. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and there was, there was, for me, what I observed was these different kind of scenes that hit these different, the variety of humor and tone that this one little half hour pilot had was incredible. And I like the example that I find is sort of the two scenes, one at the airport with the coworker and then the, the older lady coworker who was signing up the guy for the credit card. And then the scene on the bus with the guy and he's holding his little baby and just the two, the different styles of humor in both of those scenes to me, it was like, just, it's, it's cool to see a show that goes to so many different places. Yeah. That airport scene was really almost a throwback (laughs) to, you know, as you were saying, non sequitur um, humor. It was very, um, I don't know. It felt like, in a way, very like sort of throwback seventies, eighties humor. Like yeah, like Zuckerberg, like like airport, mm-hmm. that kind of like old lady being funny. Yep, humor that. Yep, totally, totally. Yeah, and even that whole just um, you know sort of late seventies, early eighties Kentucky Fried movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a name for that subgenre, sort of cult. Absurd, that's a slap, like slapstick. slapstick. Yeah, that's like traditional Cult slapstick. Favorites. Comedy. Yeah. Sure. Um, and yeah, and then very, yeah, magical realist with the scene on the bus, which I guess ties, you know, directly into the, you know, big scene, the, the opening and culminating kind of climactic scene because the friend of, you know, Paperboys, the random guy that's just there talking he's like oh it's deja vu and where's the dog you know and he turns and the dog's there and then you know the guy gets off the bus after making the what was it nutella sandwich sandwich nutella and jam sandwich and the dog's with the dog's with him right so um yeah it's cool when a show isn't like magical or sci-fi right like it's clearly Mm -hmm grounded the bulk and the action it's grounded in reality and very firmly in a pretty visceral reality like this show yet has these moments where initially when you know we see the dog in the you know confrontation confrontation scene after the car mirror is smashed there's nothing about that scene that's magical realist it's imaginative maybe a little bit but it's not it doesn't push the boundaries and then on the bus starts to get a little more into like what's actually happening and what's yeah. in his mind um yeah, so it gets teased with the deja vu moment right <clears throat> it sort of definitely. sets the table that something yeah. they're gonna go places yeah yeah and of course this is one short you know half hour, less than half hour pilot. So I would uh, wager a guess that this is just the beginning, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves or spoil anything. And as you were saying, it's, uh, it's able to play with, you know, a variety of different styles of, 
uh, humor and also um, evoke, you know, emotion and intrigue and things that keep us interested through different types of uh, scenes and dialogue. Um, I also, I enjoyed the different characters that we get introduced to, the secondary tertiary characters we get introduced to through this pilot and the knowledge that several of them will certainly be, you know, seemingly in follow-up epi episodes, if not, you know, the whole series. And of course, as with any good pilot, Steve, we get a very, very big cliffhanger, right? Um, oh, yeah. The, um, you know, baby mama character, I forget her name, um, you know, seeing, literally coming home from her date and seeing on the news. Van. Van? Mm-hmm. Van with a V. Oh, Van. Van, yeah. Yeah, so Van coming home from her date. Uh, yeah, looking amazing coming home from her date. The right. mother's there. The mother's there, her. just like, here's the baby, peace. And first thing, yeah. you know, she turns, news is on. Yeah. And we know it's coming, right? Like, yeah. at that point. I loved, I loved that last line by her where she's just like, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good, like, ending of, <laughs> you know, of, yeah. of the pilot. Just ended on such a funny kind of note. Yeah. And also, you know, just like at the opening, we don't see... So in the opening scene, we hear a gunshot, right? At the, that's like the final thing is we hear a gunshot. And mm. then after that, we don't see that again and we don't see any of the follow-up, right? So we don't see the cops and we don't see them get apprehended. But on the news, we know they get, you know, his cousin and Ern get apprehended, but there's a third suspect at large, right? Yeah. Which is Dwayne. Yeah, <laughs> the buddy. The buddy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's a great um, ending that keeps you intrigued, right? And um, certainly cliffhanger enough to uh, want to watch. And as you said, um, originally on FX, released as a double pilot, right? Yeah, and I read this interesting thing. It was the first... They put it on YouTube, actually, before they even aired it. It was one of the first times anyone's any network had ever done that. They just made it accessible to everyone, which I thought Ooh. was pretty cool. Wow, yeah, web series. They just threw it up there. They were like, check out the first two episodes of this new show. Yeah. Watch us on FX. Pretty smart. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't know the timing of <clears throat> when the, like, you know, TV to web series to streaming, like, exactly the crossover between all but it's um it's cool when a network's able and sort of not only able but i guess at that point probably like really um forward thinking more um sort of aptly to like yeah we just we want people to check this out and then they'll want to check out three and four and five and season two and, you know exactly um so that's cool and i like that um you know, it's clearly now on streaming, we have the option of binging, of course. So would have been very easy 
to just let it play into episode two. It's only, I think, 25-minute runtime uh, without commercials on Hulu. And so I didn't, of course, because that's not how we play this game, but um, certainly I'm looking forward to watching the next couple. But before we get on to that, Steve... Um, I don't know if there were any other things about just, you know, the show and the pilot you wanted to chat about today before we uh, move on to two and three. Yeah, we keep it tight. The only <clears throat> I think we covered all the major characters and I think they used the parents in a great way, like you're saying, to kind of reveal the history of Ern and what was going on with him. I liked the scene where his cousin came over to talk to the dad. And yeah. you really got like, he was like, well, he, he was like, what happened with Princeton? And he's like, oh, he, he talked to you before he talked to me about that. And then, but there was also that line by his dad was like, when he wants to do something, he'll do it, you know? Right. And then you're watching that in real time. And I just, I know Eli, you've, you've personally, you've worked in the, the music industry before. Sure. You have some experience there. I was, I was curious what you thought. I just wanted to ask you what you thought of that plot line and. Yeah. That kind of payola scene where they, they pay off the DJ and then there was that weird middleman that he yeah. had to kind of go around. Right. Yeah. And then um, I think it's that guy, right? The like other DJ that he kind of knows that like suns him, but then he suns, he goes around him and they're like, they're really like angling, you know, for position. Yeah. Isn't it him that says... Um, Basically, like, you don't want to get into the music business. The music business is gross. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not going to write a tell-all or anything like that. I was never, like, yeah. that high up in the industry. And I would say that it's definitely all true. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> all of that is, uh, is certainly realistic. And um, as we know, Donald Glover is a very successful rapper as well and has a lot of firsthand knowledge of the actual rap scene. And he's not paperboy either, which is interesting, right? Like, um, he is a multi-hyphenate, as we said, and um, more sort of came to fame like Drake in that they were like actors and rappers, right? And um, without any, you know, casting any dispersion on any way, you know, you come to fame or, um, or sort of how that's, that is built. Um, Paperboy is obviously... In this pilot, a picture of a local, actual, like, street, born and bred Atlanta rapper who is... Underground, come, right? It's come like up in the underground, yeah, yeah, from the streets that completely, uh, yeah, non-sort of industry way. And this is this moment of, like, yeah, he's getting so big that he's going to get snapped up by the majors, by the major players. And all of that is really realistic. And yeah, I thought the depiction of and even treatment of the industry is <laughs> very realistic. And I actually, uh, I've thought of like giving advice to people thinking of going into the music industry. And my advice, I'll just give it right here and now. Don't. If you have any other thing that you can do, do that. <laughs> and I don't mean to like completely, uh, you know, kill a whole industry like that. Cause I have a lot of friends who still are in the industry and do well and are doing amazing things 
for me, it was um, something that was like too close to my actual love, which is creating and performing and listening to and observing and helping other creators. And so working in an industry that is notoriously exploitive, and I did find to be like pretty kind of unfair and rigged and a little backdoor, very nepotistic, you know. It didn't, (laughs) it didn't bring you joy. It didn't, right? It didn't because as cool as the things you can do and working with tons of awesome bands and music and helping them really grow is awesome. But being underpaid for that and then told by your bosses it's because it's a very desirable position in industry and essentially they can get someone else to do your job for cheaper is not a great feeling. So No, um, ouch. And you're not the only friend of mine who tried to carve out a career in the music industry who said pretty much the exact same thing that you're saying. So yeah. um, sounds pretty accurate. Yeah, the only... And the only other thing I wanted to just touch on, what I loved was like kind of the opening credits, how simple it was and how it showed you those different economic realities of Atlanta Mm. Um, from like the sort of mini mansion to the sort of uh, less affordable house to the sort of dilapidated house at the end. Um, Yeah. I don't know Atlanta. I've never been there. I know some people from there. Um, to me, this is kind of a little window into the psyche of someone who knows more about it than me. Sure. I was just curious what how did how did your interpretation of Atlanta match up with Donald Glover's interpretation of it? Yeah. Like I said, I've only been there a couple times. And what I think is really um accurate and um like you were saying, this sort of opening. Uh, I think it's a montage, right? Sort of yeah, like opening montage, yeah. right? Of different parts of Atlanta. These aerial shots. It's very cool visual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I felt um, was really accurate because so the places that I've actually like stayed in Atlanta are really affluent suburbs, right? right. On like college trips and um, visiting friends from college, you know. Um, so then going like downtown or also just driving through Atlanta because the freeway goes right through the city and it's just a huge, notoriously, you know, traffic-y, just massive, massive amount of people and cars being, you know, moved about in that area. And so we see that and then, you know, like you were saying, the different types of neighborhoods – it's a very stratified and huge city. And yeah, I heard it was a driving city. Kind it's of a very driving LA. city. And it's, yeah, so it can take a really long time to get places. And from the little I know is, as we see, very varied, very stratified by wealth and class. And what I don't know exactly, but it would be interesting to learn, and maybe even as the show goes, we sort of see and we'll glean a little more into that in the way that The Wire gave us more insight into a vision of Baltimore at that time and what it was like. I think some cities, and I'm not sure exactly with Atlanta, so I won't even postulate what Atlanta is, but some cities that I've lived in, every other sort of, couple blocks it can change 
from mm. neighborhood to neighborhood. And New Orleans is like that. And when I moved there, I was warned that it's a little different than other cities and that it's more of a checkerboard than like a grid. Mm. And that it, it changes from nice to not that nice really quick. And so you need to know where you are. And you need to be really aware. And I don't know how quickly Atlanta changes, but it strikes me more as like gradual and that it's like really stratified. Like areas are um, more one demographic class, you know, race, wealth class um, than another by pocket. But I don't know. And it's certainly depicted that you know, that's depicted a bit in the opening, right, as we get a vision of sort of this metropolis, but then digging into more specific neighborhoods. And then the action of this centralizes on um, neighborhoods that are majority black. We see a few non-black people, but, you know, obviously the DJ, right, is white and <laughs> have the whole, like, controversial thing about him using Jeez. the N-word. Oh, my God. Um, only but, in that first scene, you know, only when it's just them. And then he, he asks the janitor and he's like, damn it, you know, like basically. And that's one of those moments, right, where he's the butt of the joke again. Yeah. Because that yeah. guy feels comfortable, like, dropping the N-word around him. but In like, front of him, right? Yeah, wouldn't totally. wouldn't say that it was, around Paperboy or the janitor. Well, it's another interesting, like, use of a pilot, right? And you're setting up a character and it's... You know, it, it also lends to like what happened at Princeton. He went there, and how was he made to feel? What was the experience like? It's just so interesting. You're obviously he's very smart. It just adds to this complicated layer. Yeah. But then he uses the janitor. He he is very smart and crafty, and mm -hmm. like his father said, goes after what he wants. You yeah. Know, really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fascinating, and there's a lot of. Um, I wouldn't say like moral quandary yet, but like moral gray, moral gray area in this pilot. And from what we were just talking about and like all the moves to get ahead or, you know, music business positioning, the stuff he's doing, or just like what's revealed, all the characters um, that we get a glimpse into, there's a little bit of a moral gray area potentially. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what transpires in two and three and, of course, um, where it goes with, as we've just learned on the news, uh, Paperboy yeah. and his manager, Earn, <laughs> are apprehended. Yeah, it's cool to rewatch. <laughs> I, I watched this once back when it came out in 2016, and it's so complex and funny and layered that it's, you know, it's surprising me still in this rewatch. I haven't rewatched it since now. So it is, it's kind of fun. It's one of those yeah. rewatches. It's almost like a first watch. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's end it there on a high note with the pilot of Atlanta. And we'll come back next time for episodes two and three. That's Atlanta on FX streaming on Hulu. And we're excited for you to watch and for us all to come back and chat about it on Shows with Friends. So thanks a lot, y'all. Bye, friends. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. 
we just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.